welcome everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, we will be going live in a few moments. Uh, just stand by with us and um, this party can get started. Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Awesome. Well, hello, everyone. So glad you could join us again. Um, give me one second. Let me make sure everything is where it ought to be. All right. We got our Facebook is good. Uh huh. And we got our broadcast uh, Spotify. Last time we were together, I made a mistake and never turned on our, um, whatchamacallit, our Spotify um, stream. So because of that, we never had any outgoing um, audio to Spotify, which was sad. Um, so I'm hoping that will not be the case um, this time around. Hallelujah. Not too big a deal, though. We can always re-upload it, but um, that was unfortunate that that happened. But I think we should be good to go. So um, we hit record. Confirm everything's all good on every front. And yes, we're good. Awesome. Well, hello. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. My name is Francis Seabor Jr. I'm Pastor Francis Seabor's son. I'm a member of the Kevaduan community. Um, you might see me hanging around young people, media people. And um, by the mercy and grace of God, I met Jesus. Um, and I'm trusting God to. Um, for even more meetings with Jesus and the fruit of these encounters with the Lord is a different trajectory in my life. Amen. And I'm sure you're, because you're here, you've had, you know, similar experience as well. You met with the Lord and you're looking forward to even more adventures with him as he continues to transform our lives. Hallelujah. Um, welcome cave dwellers. I'm believing that's the cave Adulam community. Hallelujah. Like the, um, on campus local community, Jeremiah, how you doing? Um, Mrs. Renita. Hello. Um, the Adego Gay family, we just spoke together just um, not too long ago. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, so glad seeing y'all. Everyone here is a blessing. Um, we love you guys so much. We are so grateful for taking the initiative to, out of your own will, you know, pursue the things of God. We want to always encourage you to continue doing that. Hallelujah. Hello. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for joining us again this evening, um, taking your time out to spend time together in the word and in prayer. Hallelujah. Speaking of prayer, 
um, if we can bow, bow down our hearts and we can get this party scum started and going. Heavenly Father, we say thank you. Thank you for this evening. Thank you for all that you have in store for us. Thank you for utterance, Lord Jesus. Thank you for understanding. Huh. Thank you for the trail. Thank you for the trail you have us on. We receive that in the name of Jesus. There's this path you have us on. And we thank you, Lord God, for the journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You know, I think that picture, I'm just going to jump in with that little vision I saw right there. Um, humanity's on a journey. You know, last time we spoke, um, I, I addressed um, how from the very beginning of God's intentions, we can see that God's desire in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 was actually the destination of the entire journey of the Bible. And it was to make man in God's image and after his likeness. And we explained last time going, this is a quick recap, right? Um, how that vision was actually that God wanted to create or basically give birth to a family. Welcome, Ada. Trust you're doing good. Hallelujah. And this desire of the Lord um, to birth this family is actually what this journey is about. Hallelujah. And um, I, I feel like um, um, understanding this context helps us understand the purpose of this book we call the Bible, right? Our Bible is, is almost like a chronicle of this journey. Hallelujah. Um, and this journey is how man will transition through many stages of development, through many processes. Amen. But the end goal is that, you know, we actually get to that final destination, right? If you're going on a journey, you have different roads. You're, you're, you, you know, you usually go through different roads. Sometimes if it's a long journey, different states, sorry, different cities, towns, maybe even different states, sometimes different countries. I remember a trip I took um, a few years ago, over a decade now, and I had to go through uh, many of the West African countries, I think Benin, Togo, to get to Ghana by road. And that was not an exciting journey for me. <laughs> that was a painful journey. Part of my, um, my Jesus story, because through that journey, I, um, 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 I would say like the, the, the context for my surrender to the Lord, it was that traumatic a trip. <laughs> Hallelujah. I surrendered to God not too long after that. Hallelujah. And we explained that this vision that God has for a family um, isn't just a family. We've said this in times past, not just yet, um, not just um, last time we were together, but this vision God has for family is actually for a dynasty. Amen. A royal kingdom family. Amen. Um, a royal priestly family, sorry, amen. And we've tried to flesh each of these themes out in a way that everyone can understand what exactly do we mean when we say priesthood? Does that mean we take, you know, we put on these hats on our heads? When we say royalty, do we like wear, you know, sit on this chair and hold this scepter, amen? And we embrace basically what the scriptures refer to symbolically and place them in their proper context, right? All these prophetic references have to be understood that humanity in its raw, um, pure, unadulterated form is meant to bring forth these visions of God, right? We're meant to be on this journey. And this, you know, God in his wisdom, you know, this theme we've been on, on the ecosystem of the age to come, this vision that God has, has honestly been from the very beginning. Everything was designed to fulfill this singular purpose. The Bible says that he works all things after the counsel of his will, and in Revelation chapter four, the elders, they declare 
God has made all things for his pleasure. So there's this thing that pleases God. There's this thing that God is after. And everything he made is to fulfill that objective. Amen. And once we understand this, uh, man, this, again, the scriptures make a whole lot more sense when we have or cast this vision. Amen. Hallelujah. So um, <sighs> this dynasty, this priestly dynasty that God is after, amen, this family um, um, of, of, of different people, um, persons that would share this image and likeness of God. And I've ex explained at different points in time the reason why God wants that variety, right? God wants all of that. You know, some of these things, I feel like um, 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 understanding... So let me let me just jump to where we were at last time. So we explained that righteousness, amen. Um, this this community of people, amen, that's fulfilling the objectives of God, fulfilling the vision of God, what God was actually after, amen. The term we used to you know to conclude on that, um, for lack of better words, was um, oh maybe we should use the scriptures, right? Let's use the scriptures and paint this out clearly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I think. Um, Yes, yeah. Let's jump to Isaiah chapter 7. I think that is a scripture that can show us what we're looking for a little bit more clearly. Amen. So um, let's start from Isaiah chapter 7 from verse 14. I'm going to use the ecosystem of the age to come backdrop and let's jump in. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and we shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Amen curds and honey he shall eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good for before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings now right there the bible was explaining something um we might not see that upon immediately you know glancing at the scripture but this was trying to get into last time we spoke together the scriptures um are actually part of a hallelujah we're actually given in a context or yes in a context and in that context some specific phrases have specific meanings and lacking some of these things would be very very um frustrating especially when the effort is to communicate something right if you want to tell someone something but you're speaking to them in a language they don't understand they might misunderstand what you're saying right or misinterpret Amen, which is a problem we've struggled with in the church for, I would say, millennia now, right? Almost two millennia. Hallelujah. But um, I, I want to get across to this. The phrase, the knowledge of good and evil, amen, is a term that actually needs maturity. Can I say that again? That phrase, the knowledge of good and evil, it means maturity. It is, it is a little bit more visible in this verse here, okay? Before the child shall know to receive... Sorry, um, um, I'm saying here, good and evil. Yes, there we go, okay? To refuse the evil and choose the good, okay? So it's saying here, butter and honey, the child shall eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. Now, basically the Bible is, I'm using this as a little allegory, okay? The child, when the child is born, doesn't know good and evil, okay? But by the child eating, Okay, butter and honey, the child will come into the knowledge of good and evil. Now I'm saying this, okay, for a reason, because that phrase, knowledge of good and evil, 
Again, it doesn't mean um, um, what traditionally the church has understood the true knowledge of good and evil to mean. The true knowledge of good and evil does not mean the knowledge of both good things and evil things. Amen. As in your knowledge is polluted by evil, but you know some good. So a mixture. That's not what the Bible is saying. The knowledge of good and evil speaks about judgment or discernment. Amen. I've explained this before that when a child is born, the child is basically brought to a table, right? And there's all this food. Now, this food a child is brought to is basically like a layout of different experiences um, um, that a child is going to be subscribed to by virtue of their, you know, their um, senses, their, these tools, you know, this, these um, faculties that we use to interact with the world around us and other people, right? It could be bombarded by light, by sound, by emotions, by feelings, amen? By, by, I mean, physical feelings, I ignore emotions there, okay? And all of these things are gonna be bombarding them at the same time. Upon first, <laughs> the first um, interaction with this, you know, when a child is in the womb, they do have all of these faculties present, you know, once they are developed, but unfortunately, because of the mother's womb, not unfortunately, because of the womb of the mother, they are dampened, they are shielded from the harsh exposure to all of these elements, right? But over time, when the child is birthed, the child is all of a sudden like thrown into this world where they're bombarded by air pressure, you know, um, air humidity, humidity in the air, right? Light, noise, sounds, okay? And all of these things. And the fruit of all of this is that the child is forced to exercise themselves in comprehending all of these things. And because they're unable to deal with the, just the, harsh exposure to the world, the child begins to cry. Ah! That's the sign the child is alive, right? The child's senses are functioning. The child is overwhelmed. The child has been thrown out of their mother's womb and they're in this world now almost exposed. But then the mother takes the child and begins to nurture the child. And over time, the child begins to process how to experience life. This is informed, I explained before, by the child's spirit and also by the child's body, right? Over time, what happens that the child and the child is being bombarded, right, by all this information. Again, light, sound, right, um, temperature, air pressure, humidity. All of these conditions, you know, they directly affect the child. And the child is forced to learn what all these things mean. Over time, a wisdom or intelligence on how to interact with, you know, basically the environment, all right, and even with people, begins to develop. Again, these are informed by the child's life force and the child's physical body. The child's physical body was inherited from their parents. And so because of that, some mannerisms are actually captured in the person's, in the, in the child's body. And because of that, you see the child not just looking or resembling their parents biologically, but even drawing on some soul, uh, what should I call it? Some soul, uh, will I say genes of the soul, but even mannerisms of the soul, right? Um, the way some people are and, you know, the way they are, like, their personality. When you interact with someone, most of what you interact with when you, when you meet people is actually their soul, the way they smile, the way they talk, right? All of these things are in the soul. And by soul, I'm speaking about the top, you know, higher up regions we refer to as the mind, which include the, you know, you know, the emotional, the will, the imagination, all these, and then the lower regions like the heart, again, with emotions and the will and all these things, because you have the thoughts and imagination of the heart and thoughts and imagination of the mind, the mind being the upper level of consciousness, the heart being the subconscious and the unconscious. And um, over time, all of these, even the need for having these separations is also informed by the life force and then the biology, you know, the child's body. The fruit of all of these things is an intelligence on how to experience life. The child's life force, the child's um, um, 
physical body dictates this is how life is to be experienced. Amen. Hope you understand that part. And as a child continues to experience life, right, that all those instructions, they flow out. Now, as a child continues to ex experience life, I mentioned the conscious, unconscious, and subconscious, okay? Over time, that intelligence, all right, demands that the child filters out what is useful and what is not useful, okay? And what is real life about what is real life not about, okay? And the child forms a familiar. There's an establishment of what is familiar over time, and the familiar doesn't have to be recorded explicitly, you know, with all that detail. All that can be put to the side, okay? I need the unusual to get my attention. So if I'm looking in this room now, everything is stationary around me, okay? There's no one here in this house with me. I'm the only one here. Um, of course, there's spiritual entities here as well, but I'm the only one that's physically here. Again, air quotes, right? <laughs> um, um, but so because of that, okay, I don't expect, you know, this... <laughs> <laughs> this vase next to me or these flowers next to me to by themselves get up and start walking, right? I'm not, familiar, I'm not used to that, right? That hasn't been an experience that I've, you know, I've been exposed to over time, you know, as a human in a non, you know, supernaturally charged environment, okay? So because of that, um, um, the child goes, you know, accustomed to some things and some things are expected and this is okay, this is not okay. And from there, the conscience, or the consciousness of the child begins to form, okay? And that in the intelligence that informs all of those, those are getting captured in this life, child's life force in their spirit and in child's physical body, okay? As this continues, the child begins to have a firm grasp on reality and even they themselves become self-aware and aware of other people and understanding that I'm not the only one that's here, there's other people here so I can talk to this person and I can eat this thing and I can do that thing. And over time, intelligent interaction with the environment ensues and the fruits of that is the pursuit of happiness that we're all in this life for, right? What is delight? What is pleasure? What is joy? What is good? What is evil, all right? That is that speaks about the ability to understand or discern correctly okay it is a it is a it is a an earmark of maturity so when you hear the knowledge of good and evil keep in mind what is spoken about there is maturity or development all that good all right now moving right along understanding some of these things in context of scripture would be so crucial right because this is not the first time we're seeing this we see this in genesis chapter 2 and genesis chapter 3 right where the tree that killed Adam and Eve was explicitly called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But I've said time and time again, that was not the only tree of knowledge of good and evil, all right? Because we, I, just to hammer this down in a way that would not seem weird, okay? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 23, God said, God said, not me, okay? God said, uh-oh, wrong verse. <laughs> Let's hope we see 21. Um, 22, sorry, there we go. The Lord said, behold, man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, again, I've explained the knowledge of good and evil is not intrinsically evil. It speaks about maturity. You're able to discern or judge correctly. And that's what the devil was telling Eve, right? He, when he, what, he, what Satan spoke to Eve about was not a process she was um, unfamiliar with, okay? If we read that interaction, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Look, God had made and said to the woman, have, has God indeed said, you shall not eat a tree? Verse four, the servant said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. That Hebrew word for God there is Elohim, knowing good and evil. So 
He was saying there, if you partake of a tree in the garden, you will what? Mature and develop. And he understood that in man's development, in the journey of man's development is the likeness of God. Do you see that? He said here, okay, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. The likeness of God, Adam and Eve were created to come into. He pointed that to them. The problem was that he was dead, right? Hallelujah. The maturity or the level of advancement that Satan had to offer, all right, was not connected to God. Satan offered Adam and Eve a way of maturity. He was not the only one that did that. I explained that before, right? All the morning stars in the book of Revelations, chapter 4, 5, and 6, as Jesus Christ was opening up the scroll, cherubim began to announce to specific individuals, come and see, right? That's why he said, your eyes will be open and you'll be as God, knowing good and evil. So please understand, okay, tied, tied on this journey of getting there, there is a, God puts a necessity, right, for these entities we call cherubim, right? They were meant to be stewards of the knowledge of good and evil, all right, that was prevailing in the garden. So I'm going to, I'm going to exchange that phrase, knowledge of good and evil, with maturity, okay, or development, right, or judgment, because that's actually what it is. If you read Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to see that, Hebrews chapter 5. If, you're, if you've, um, you've been familiar with Melchizedek school, this is not a strange scripture, right? You have been exposed to this time and time again, amen? It says here, by this time you ought to be teachers, by this time you ought to be teachers, that Hebrew word there for teachers, I'm sorry, that Greek word for teachers is masters, amen? You see people call Jesus, hey, I'm good master, good teacher, okay? Masters, you need someone teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So you're seeing here, okay, he's saying you ought to be masters, okay, teachers, developed is what he's trying to say here, okay. Master speaks about development, okay. You need someone to teach you again the first principles. He's making reference to the fact that they are not, they haven't gone through stage of development events have gone through, right? You've come to need milk and not solid food, okay. For everyone who partakes only of milk, is unskillful. You see that lack of development right there? Okay. In the word of righteousness, as a word I'm going to be using a lot of, right? For he is a baby, an infant. He's unskillful. Hallelujah. He doesn't have the knowledge of good and evil, as well. We saw in Isaiah chapter 7, right? Before he knows to choose the good, right? Choose the good and refuse the evil. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, who are experienced, who are mature, who are developed. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Can you see how um, um, you're seeing a lack of the knowledge of good and evil or discernment or your eyes being opened? Amen, a lack of discernment as a feature of infantry, <laughs> infantry? infanthood. Infantry means something militant, right? Um, inf I almost said infanticide, that means killing children, okay? As, when you are a baby, you cannot tell right from wrong. You can't tell what is good and what is not good. You can't make decisions wisely, okay? Now, the scripture is saying the ability to make those decisions, hallelujah, requires the infusing, okay, or interaction with the word of righteousness. Isn't that interesting? So I'm going to put it again, up again, Okay. If you want to be able to discern good and evil, you need to be skillful or interact with or engage with or experienced in the word of righteousness. Amen. The fruit of these interactions with the infancy 
Thank you. Thank you so much. What did I say before? Inf I almost said infanticide. Inf infantry. Infancy. My goodness. Thank you so much, um, Ms. Renita. Thank you so much. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So when I am exercised to discern both, I'm coming to exercising my senses to discern good and evil by skillfulness in the word of righteousness. So as I interact with the word of righteousness, I come into the ability to tell right from wrong. Do you know that? That ability to tell right from wrong, all right? which that tree of, of Satan was offering Adam and Eve. It was offering them the wisdom to know the way. We can just, we can see that, okay? Let's just open Genesis chapter three. Hallelujah. Some of these things, when we see them in the scriptures, it encourages us to go back and study, right? And I'll explain again the reason why we're doing this, okay? <sighs> the Bible says um, um, in verse six, when the woman saw the tree was good for food, hmm, it was pleasant to the eyes, Hmm, well pleasing and a tree desirable to make one wise then she took of it and ate now we've explained before this tree is not a no trees make you wise right carrots might help your eyesight maybe some physical biological fruits like the ones we see in nature around us right now might be helpful it may be even uh we sell her brain reproduction right the reproduction of cells in our brain but that doesn't make you actually smart okay <laughs> What is happening here is um, a, this is an allegory, prophetic allegory, right? Um, where the form of something is used to describe a functionality. Okay, so I'm going to skip past the tree thing so we can understand what's being said here. Okay, the trees being desirable to make one wise is the focus of the scripture we just went to here. The tree of knowing right from wrong makes you wise. Isn't that interesting? Because the Bible says that foolishness is in the heart of a child. What is the opposite or antithesis of foolishness? Wisdom, right? So foolishness is in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction, rods are often called branches in the scripture, but the branch or the tree of correction or the tree of discipline will drive it away, amen? So Adam, Adam was placed, all right, in this state of infancy, Hallelujah. In this garden flooded with rods of correction, rods of discipline, right? The Hebrew word, I explained that um, the Hebrew word Enoch or the name Enoch speaks of doctrine and of discipline, of way of life, right? Ways of life, okay, or how to live life, all right, was the subject matter of Eden, right? And in Eden, Adam was exposed to wisdoms of God. Now, one Amen. Um, steward, right? A, a steward of this, of a portion of the wisdom of God, you know, that entity as Satan now, right? Had gone corrupt and God warned Adam and Eve, do not enlist, do not receive the knowledge of good and evil from this guy. Do not receive his judgments. Do not receive what he calls righteousness because his judgment of right and wrong is skewed, is perverted. Shut up, Siri. <laughs> it's perverted. It is wicked. It is twisted. It is incorrect. It is perverted. It will kill you. Amen. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man. The end of that path is death. Amen. So on that journey, Adam and Eve were on. Someone's laughing at me. Adam and Eve were on. Amen. They were meant to head on for collision with the likeness of God. Satan presented to them, hey, this tree I'm offering you would help you get there. He was not the only one that was saying that. All the other cherubim in the Garden of Eden were pres prescribing their, their, their trees to Adam and Eve. Amen. The difference is that they, because they, they disobeyed God's warning about Satan's life. Hallelujah. The tree of knowledge, good and evil in the garden, okay, 
it was actually a tree of death. But that was not the only tree of knowing right from wrong. It was the only tree that would have killed you. Amen. I'm trying to explain what I am saying here. I am not saying that all the trees in the garden were trees of death. I am not saying, all right, that all trees in the Garden of Eden were, um, God refused them that they, they, they should eat those trees. No, no, no. There was only one tree that would have killed them. And that tree was highlighted or earmarked as a tree of good and evil. There were other trees of knowledge, good and evil in the garden, but not, they would not all have killed. Does that make sense? Killed Adam and Eve. Only one would have killed them. Now, that's one God warned them about. And it was referred to in the book of Genesis as a tree of knowing right from wrong. It was the tree of development. It wasn't the only tree of development. There were other trees of development. All the trees in the Garden of Eden were trees of development, of mastery, amen, of righteousness, amen. But the tree, all right, that Satan was swirling around in the Garden of Eden, amen. And we know that Satan was in the Garden of Eden, right? It's in the scriptures, amen. You were in Eden, the Garden of God, Ezekiel 28, hallelujah. Um, also, the Garden of Eden was not really a place per se. Hallelujah. Okay, um, that might take more time to explain than I want to get into right now. Uh, but all I have to say about that is um, um, it is not just a place. Adam and Eve were in an estate of being, amen, where they had access, amen, to, for lack of better words, um, um, let me call it the book of life. I'll just throw a little wrench in there to make you even more confused. <laughs> Hallelujah. If I, if you have any questions about anything that I'm saying here, please ask. Um, I'm saying some of these words, you know, when we first start off many of these teachings, we start them off in a way that is in an introductory manner. But over time, we want to throw some, some curveballs at you, not so that you'd be more confused, but to make you inquire in your heart, what does this mean? Okay. And hopefully that inquisition, that, that um, Bible calls them, uh, not Bible, this prophecy by this lady calls them loving inquirers. They would go out of their way to search the scriptures, right? Or to ask questions. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So understanding this distinction, okay, is critical to what I'm trying to say here, okay? Basically, Adam and Eve were in a garden of righteousness to eat of judgments. Amen. And I, again, I explained before, the ability to discern right from wrong was placed on the, ch on the chest of the, of, of the high priest. It was called the breastplate of judgment, right? It's also called the breastplate of righteousness. So judgment or discernment and righteousness are not too far away. And this is what I was trying to say last time we were together, amen? That this community that God is after, this family God is trying to, to grow or raise, amen, are people that are able to discern right from wrong. They're able to choose there is a, for lack of better words, a doctrine, right? A discipline that they have received, a tutelage in their souls. Hallelujah. And um, 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 this tutelage in their souls was actually righteousness, the righteous judgments of God. Now, it's important that we understand that righteousness is not only in our spirits, amen? As New Testament saints, we understand, right? that we are the very righteousness of God. Our spirit, man, is Christ, amen? The severity, the, the grandeur of, of what, what, you know, some of these statements is beyond words, amen? These things have to be experienced. Um, I was listening to a, a woman of God recently give a prophetic word, and this woman has had so many incredible experiences. 
And basically, for lack of better words, these things are to be experienced. Amen. The righteousness of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The righteousness of God has to be experienced. Amen. Hallelujah. That is the best way I can say it. Amen. The Garden of Eden was like a, for lack of better words, I'm going to use the word construct here, okay? Please understand. I've said before, the Garden of Eden could have been called the Library of Eden. It could have been called the Gymnasium of Eden. It could have been called the, the, the Kitchen of Eden. Amen. Hallelujah. The goal was to produce, amen, the one that pleased God, the very righteousness of God, right? Now, that intended goal, that end of the journey is inside of us right now. Amen. That end of the goal, that end, end point, that pinnacle, that destination. I want us to see something, okay? The, 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 this thing that God has done in an, in, inside of us, amen? The joy of all of creation, the purpose of creation, the fulfillment of creation, the consummation of creation, everything is captured inside of our spirit, man, right now. Amen? Now, it is called the righteousness of God. By virtue of that indwelling, beloved, you, oh, isn't that wonderful? Thanksgiving should run from our hearts as a consequence of this, right? Amen. Because of this indwelling, there is a, a pedigree, amen, of a, this is what I was trying to talk about last, I had lacked so much utterance last time. There is a pedigree of access that we have by virtue of this indwelling, beloved. We have access by virtue of this indwelling, amen, of righteousness in our spirit, man, amen. We have access to the throne of God without limits, amen. This platform of righteousness in our spirit, man, amen is actually uh, one of the stories of the new covenant I want us to get into. I'm going to jump real quick to Isaiah 59. Hallelujah. Thank you, G. Isaiah 59, I think for, I'm going to start from verse 20. Amen. The Bible says here, the Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit, which is upon you, and my words shall put it in your mouth. It shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forever. Do you see heritage showing up here again? This family, this obsession with family that God has. Right there, when he's talking about covenant, he's bringing up families again. I showed last time in Genesis, I mean, not Genesis, in Exodus chapter 20, 33, when God was introducing himself to, to Moses, um, again, because Moses kept on crying, I want to know who you are, I want to know who you are. Amen. And God said, I can't really show you who exactly I am, but I will declare my name to you. You see my backside, right? And then the Lord passed in front of him. And Moses experienced a portion of God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Hallelujah. Man, um, experience is, is, is critical for us in the New Testament. Hallelujah. You know, um, um, let me see here. Um, this 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 climax amen at the end of the journey okay god wants us to experience it all right and i explained before how the child is born and you have to go through all of these things hallelujah man <laughs> there is so much that can be said and i haven't i don't have a systematic way of um at least i'm not captured in writing yet of of dishing this out because there's so many things use the tabernacle as a model um, that's a model I love using, by the way, because it's such a beautiful way of capturing everything. I might lean in that direction, actually, if I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, I think we should just go in that direction, amen? Um, this vision in the hearts of God, amen, of the community of individuals that look like God, amen, that God wants to give dominion to, this dynasty, 
this priestly dynasty, amen, that God has called us to, amen, is called the dwelling place of God, the house of God, amen. And the journey to becoming the house of God, the way God will have it, amen, for us in New Testament, requires that, that primary deposit, amen, of, of, of the spirit of God on our inside, amen. And because of that, it of the spirit of God on our inside, union with God, amen. Hallelujah, union with God. Bible calls it the dwelling place of God or the tabernacle of God or the place of covenant with God, amen. Union with God, the indwelling of God, tabernacling with God. We have all of that right now as new creation entities, right? We have God dwelling in our spirits, amen. Not baby God, amen. I said that before, right? We don't have a baby Jesus inside of us. There is no um, exercising your spirit, man. There is no growing your spirit, man, amen. Again, that is that would never. You cannot exercise your spirit, man. You can't even stir your spirit, man, amen. It's like you want to stir God. You see the scriptures in the Old Testament scriptures. You see things like awake, O God, <laughs> and fight our enemies. God doesn't need to wake up. Do you know who needs to wake up, beloved? Our own consciousness. Our consciousness, our subconsciousness, and our unconsciousness are the faculties that need to be awakened. And this is what I was trying to get at um, last time we spoke. Hallelujah. Righteousness, we know it as a reality in our spirits. But God's desire is for our souls to experience the pedigree of righteousness. Amen. The, for, again, go with all the different words that explain righteousness that we've said so far, okay? The discernments of God. The Bible calls them the eternal judgments of God. You see this in Hebrews chapter 6, amen, as one of the um, core principles, foundational doctrines of Christ, amen? The eternal judgments of God. God's judgment, the way he judges, the way he discerns, the way he sees things, amen? God, that speaks about the consciousness of God, amen? His consciousness, God's subconsciousness, God's unconsciousness, all of these faculties God wants all of them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. When we talk about righteousness, amen, we're not just talking about righteousness in our spirits, but God wants us to experience, amen, the eternal judgments of God in our consciousness, in our unconsciousness, in our subconsciousness. That was the reason for that Garden of Eden construct there. Amen. It was um, for lack of a better words, an institution for equipping Adam and Eve with the judgments of God. Amen? Now, it wasn't just Adam and Eve that meant to grow up in that environment, okay? All of their children. Again, remember what we said, what we read before, okay? This is my covenant with you, okay? The dream will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit, which is upon you, and my words, which I put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, from the mouth of your descendants. Now, when you hear mouth here in the, in the Bible, the Bible says, after the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Excuse me. The Bible refers to the tongue of man as an unruly force. Who can tame it, right? God then says, again, in reference to um, the human tongue, the only one that can tame it is the one that can understand the heart. Jeremiah 17, right? The heart is a world of wickedness, right? Sorry. The heart is extremely deceitful, Deceitful in all things, um, something wicked. I can't remember the terminology, Jeremiah 17 there. Amen. Only the Lord can, amen, um, deal with the human um, heart. Amen. And only God can deal with the human tongue because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
So when we're seen here, what God is saying here, do you move up to Zion? So those who turn from transgression to Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit is upon you. My words are put in your mouth. Amen. This is the picture of what God is after. Amen. The community of people, amen, that have, that have God's spirit, okay, that have the spirits of God, amen, that's what we have right now. And then the last part is my word in your mouth, which is the fruit of the overflow of God's word from the heart. Amen. And this is what I was getting at, okay, because this overflow of what's in the heart coming out from the mouth is something that every single human being has. That process is actually working everyone right now. The wisdom that we live by, amen, the wisdom that we have accepted is what comes out of our mouths all the time. God wants his dynasty to be a priestly one. And the fruit of this, amen, is a community of people that have the word of God. Who gets a picture here, amen? The overflow of God's word, the overflow of the judgments of God. Amen. The discernment of God, the tutelage of God flowing out of the heart through the mouth. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God's desire for all of these things. Amen. Oh, let me let me phrase it like this. This is what God is after. I'm, I'm trusting God again for the best way to explain this, but because of this understanding, amen, of the judgments of the heart being a critical focus of God, for this reason, our ancestors, amen, the Jewish people were known for something, their culture, their lifestyle, their manner of life, their mannerisms, okay? All of these things were informed by an intentionality in completing this journey. Let me explain it like this. You know, if you, if you see all throughout the scriptures, you would see men who would have these great visions, right, of the future. And they would want to embark on these journeys. Hallelujah, the lighting in here is getting really bright. I hope I'm not being exposed. I'm seeing like how white um, my skin is. Hallelujah. I'm a, I love videography. Hallelujah. Okay, so because of this understanding of the visions of God, many of these seekers of God will set out, amen, I would speak about men who, who saw a city, whose builder and maker is God. Amen? That's what I said, I'm good, sir. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's read Hebrews 11. This will give us context. Amen? Hebrews chapter 11. I'm looking for one of our ancestors. His name is Abraham. Hallelujah. Okay. Yes. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would have received as an inheritance. Ooh. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promises in a foreign city, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Do you see that, beloved? Abraham caught wind of something. Now, that thing he caught wind of, notice the Bible says here that who? Who? Oh, dear. Am I in the same place? I think I went somewhere else. No, I'm in the right place. Yes. Yes. Isaac and Jacob, verse 9, okay? Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Amen? So Abraham saw something afar off, right? The Bible says, if you read um, the future verses, you see what, what happened here, okay? For he waited for the city, this culture, the civilization, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. This man from a distance foresaw, he saw something in the heart of God. Amen. And he structured his life 
so as to pursue that thing. Amen. Now, I'm using the word dynasty, okay, here for a reason, because dynasties um, speak about a family of kings, right? Kings who, from generation to generation, they have portions of this thing that they're trying to bring out upon their kingdom, their domain. Amen? This is what God wants for us. Amen? God actually, in his heart and in his mind, on route to this trajectory, broke down this journey into bits and portions. And he has given each of these things out to different individuals and called this entire dynasty of the family of God, okay? Each member receives a portion called the will of God for their life. Does all this make sense? You will see Abraham rising up and trying to pursue the vision of God en route to that um, um, destination, blesses his son Isaac and delivers something called the blessing. That will cause it the, the promise, right? That's what they kept on carrying, right? And in doing this, you see Isaac carrying that. You see the, a more literal narrative in Isaac blessing Jacob, right? Where he made, those, he made those declarations, right? As the spirit wrestled upon Isaac, Isaac was overwhelmed. And what happened? He began to release. Isaac knew, hallelujah, the hard posture necessary to release the blessing. And he knew he had to be well-pleased. It's a picture of God too, right? So what did he do? He told his son, go out and get me the meat that I like. In that state of joy, I'll be able to minister this blessing to you. Amen. This is what um, all priesthood demands your faculties, right? So in that state of joy, he released the blessing, said, oh, my son smells like the field that God has blessed. And then he blesses him with corn and with wine. Amen. And with, with the dew of heaven. Hallelujah. It wasn't just Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who became Israel, right? Amen. We see other narratives in the Bible where we see a little bit more of an inner work, the inner working of this whole thing, amen, of this dynasty of God. You see someone like David, amen, he caught wind of the visions of God, amen, and he wanted to lay hold on these things himself. The Lord told him, no, 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 David, this is not for you. You've, you've seen correctly, son of man, Right? But this here is not for you. This is for your son, Solomon. Amen. He has a portion of this world to live out. He has to fill this out. You see this with Daniel as well. He catches wind of the end of the ages by virtue of his interactions with God. Amen. He becomes privy, amen, to some of the, the end time, you know, the sequence of events that will end this age. And in trying to lay hold on them, he said to him, oh my goodness, this is not for you. This is for people who are going to come way, way later in the future. The time appointed is long. Amen. You, Daniel, stay in your lot. Hallelujah. I don't foresee the journey. Amen. This journey from the beginning all the way to the end. This vision of a starting point and an ending point. Amen. It takes a, pro it's a process of time and there's usually landmarks. You have to go sometimes through cities, through states. Some people, amen. Hallelujah. In this journey of humanity coming into the image and likeness of God, amen, they are going to swallow up, amen, entire chunks of time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Of this dynasty. Amen. You see some people, they have eons of God captured by virtue of the culture of righteousness that they put into themselves. And by virtue of this, they come into the eternal judgments of God. And they begin to lay hold on things that are evil for future ages. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We see this again. Again, I'm going to give an example. An example of this is, is someone like, you know, Elijah and Elisha, right? Elijah took a portion, took um, a, out of the, um, the heritage 
of Elijah. Amen. And by virtue of that, because he saw something. Hallelujah. I hope everything that I'm saying here is making sense. Amen. Um, um, there is a culture of the soul necessary. Amen. For this dynasty to function. I feel a warmth in my heart. Amen. Let's go to Genesis 18 and maybe we can lay this out a little bit more clearly here. Genesis 18. Let's start now from verse 17. Okay. Now again, remember, Abraham saw something. Hallelujah. The Lord said, shall I have from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep. So see here that he may command. So can you see there is a tutelage? Amen. Of this divine heritage, this dynasty, all members of this dynasty are schooled in a specific way. In fact, it is so scary that in, in um, if you check the genealogy of Jesus Christ, it's almost not just strictly biological. Amen. So you can even have the genes and yet not be an active participant. Amen. In the inheritance. Is everyone listening? I'm saying this because what we are after is experience. Now, experience requires, amen, a tutelage. Please understand something, okay? This is why the Bible says something. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm trying to get a point across here. When it came to communication, amen, intelligence in our dynasty is not something we play around with. I'm going to say that again. Intelligence, wisdom, understanding amen light these are not things that we toy around with as far as this dynasty is concerned you see in ancient traditions the patriarchs man the, the the primary way that the culture of jewish people was was communicated was not by writing things down it was by word of mouth now it was known okay that people that could that could <laughs> You know how we said that that verse we read just now that this is the covenant God has with us, Amen. The the word in our mouth and the spirit which is upon us, Amen. Uh, I think Pastor Douglas I was listening to. He was explaining how rabbis um, they believed that the mouth was a picture of of the Ark of the Covenant. That they the reason for the mustache over the mouth is because it's a covering, right, to to veil the covenant, Amen. Hallelujah. Bible says a king's lips, amen, um, um, the lips of a king do not transgress in judgment, amen, it's an abomination for kings commit wickedness, Bible says the priests of a lit of the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, amen, in all tradition, the words of ancient ones was regarded as, I don't know what, the, what, what, what to use here to describe it, precious, if you read the book of Proverbs, you see all those things again, right, Choose my words and not silver. Amen. The reason why they're saying this is because, you know, we've lost that value now. We have words all over the place, right? Words are thrown around. We even have, you know, synonyms and deserts or whatever. <laughs> the traditions, when I say traditions, I'm going to be very careful with those words, okay? Because that can be dangerous if not understood correctly, okay? The culture, right? The word, the traditions, amen, were transmitted from generation to generation 
by the words, by word of mouth. It was called oral tradition. That's actually the tradition I'm getting at here, okay? It's called oral tradition. Someone says, wow, yes, 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 amen? Hallelujah, learn Professor Douglas, amen? I'm saying all of these things because this oral tradition continues throughout the entire um, uh, story of the Bible, where you see Jesus Christ teaching. When we talk about doctrine, okay? <clears throat> when we talk about baptisms, amen? There is a reason for all of these things. These are the tools by which measures, amen, of the righteousness of God can be communicated. How shall they hear if one doesn't preach to them? And the goal not just to say words, but to communicate a culture, a civilization. You know, um, when you look at Moses, Moses came into some awareness of some things, not because he was just a great guy, amen. His mother knew he was a goodly child, one. So they saw he had the genes, right? Necessary to drive the agenda of God forward. So what did she do? She knew that she had to be tutored correctly. Do you know why the church is not morphing organically to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ? We are not being taught. And one of the reasons why we're not being taught is because there is no understanding of our heritage. There's been a work of Satan. It's, it's actually, it, it was a hidden work that happened thousands of years ago. But this work has followed us for a while, up until now, by the mercy and grace of God, will be destroyed, right? And it was to deter seekers of God, Christian, Gentile seekers of God, from the Judeo-Christian heritage. Because of this, the devil understands that even if you have access to the Bible, but you do not understand what it is saying, you need to understand, you need to hear words to believe. Who understands what I'm saying? If you don't hear the right words to believe, there are measures of the judgments of God you will not be able to function in. We, 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 you know, we, people say things like, this is, not going to, this is not important, if you don't believe this, you'll go to heaven. You see the work, you can tell the severity of the work by statements like that. Amen. Yes, there are some weightier matters of the law, right? But no jot or tittle, my, my beloved brothers and sisters. We have a culture. We have heritage. We are members of a dynasty of kings, priestly kings that are meant to, amen? We have an agenda, amen? Unfortunately, amen? We have lost this agenda. And you know what's so scary about all of these things? This agenda, someone says, no, we haven't. We have the spirits of God here. And you are very telling the truth. Amen. But you know what's so scary? The spirits of God, his work has to be exposed to you. This is what I was trying to get at yesterday. Oh, no, yesterday, two days ago. Let's open the first Corinthians chapter two. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ah, the culture of our people, our ancestry. Amen. The true law, the true culture of our people. Amen is actually by a spirit. Here is the tragic thing. Do you know that these spirits can be hindered from explaining this culture to you by words? Do you know that through words alone, you can frustrate, amen, or energize, assist, amen, the process of the reception of this culture through words. 
Do you know that for some, when, when someone says, just the statement, is it, is it the will of God that I'm, I'm healed? Someone says, God can heal you. Or God will heal, or God will heal you, or God wants to heal you. Just those, those three words there, they mean three completely different things. Through those words, the work of God in your life can be hindered. Who knows what I'm saying? Someone could die a tragic death, and then we say it is the will of God that he died. He died at the right time. Is that? Who knows what I'm saying here? You know, we, we call, and then what's so sad is that because we understand that God is right and, and everything he's saying is true, we then come up with doctrines that now support our misunderstanding of Scripture and furthermore hindering the spirits of God. Please understand something. Spirits, they work with words. That's what I'm going to get at here, okay? <laughs> Let's just look at the Scripture and see it, okay? Paul said, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness. In fear and in much trembling, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. I explained this last time. Thou Greek word for demonstration means an exposure. There are words that can reveal the spirit of God to you. There are words that can make manifest the operations of God to you. When Jesus Christ spoke, the Bible says he spoke with authority. And the, the Pharisees came to him and says, by whose authority? What genealogy? Who is giving you these things? Amen? There is a reason why they said that. Amen? Because he was opening up things. There's a verse that in, 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 in the book of Matthew where he says, is in Matthew chapter 13, I will open up my mouth and declare things that were hidden from the foundations of the world. Oh, come on. Where is that verse? Come on, come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Foundation of the world. Uh, come on. Open up my mouth in a mystery. Yes, Matthew 13, 35. Thank you very much. 13, 35. The encoded encryption of the Lord in our lips. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This was, this was um, Jesus speaking to his disciples when he would share parables, okay? Jesus Christ spoke in parables, and without a parable, he did not speak to them that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open up my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Did you send them all to the way? So I will, open up, I will open up my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Do you know, beloved? <laughs> Your entire Bible is a parable. I think it's Pastor Douglas that said something that um, um, Samson doing those riddles, okay, with his wife to his groomsmen or with the family of the bride was a picture of Christ and the church. Where the riddle that Samson put forth was actually the scripture. Amen. And, um, 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 the bride is the one that is intimate with the Lord, that knows the Spirit of God. Now, Samson said something, you would not have known my parable if you didn't plow my heifer. Basically, he was saying something. Without interaction with someone that has a specific kind of heart for me, you could never interpret the parable. Do you know, beloved, that our entire Bible, amen, is a parable? 
that needs to be unsealed, that needs to be opened. Do you know what is so sad? The book can be unsealed to you, but yet you are not learned in understanding because you are, that's what I'm saying here. You're not able to read. It's in the Isaiah chapter, explain this verse before, right? The Isaiah chapter nine um, scripture. I brought the scroll to someone that was learned. I said, um, read this for me. Um, I said, I cannot for it to, um, it to see. <laughs> Isaiah 29, sorry. Okay, 29 from verse, um, I think verse 10. Okay. Hallelujah. The Lord has poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep. Close your eyes, name me the prophets. Has covered your heads, name me the seers. The whole vision become to you like the words of a book that is sealed. Which might deliver to one who is literate, someone who can read, saying, read this piece that I can't offer it to seal. Do you know, beloved, that even if you are, even if the book is unsealed and you are literate, you cannot read. These are things that I've said a few weeks ago. Hallelujah. Do you know what's so scary about everything I just said now? If you put all of these things together, amen, the spirits of God's work can be hindered in your life because of an incorrect understanding of the scriptures. And if you understand that the Spirit's work is to get us on this journey, he is the law, right? He's what the oral tradition was all about, amen? The oral tradition, amen, was to activate the Spirit's work in someone's life. That's what Paul said here. I didn't come here talking to you English. I came here, right, with the demonstration of the Spirit of power, the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, who understand right from wrong, whose hearts have been instructed. Is all of this making sense? Hallelujah. The oral tradition of our ancestors, amen, was because of an agenda that they understood. Let's jump real quick to Genesis 18. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Okay, let's start from verse, um, when he said, uh, 17, right? Isn't it 17? Isn't it 17? Come on, from verse 17. Aha. Shall I hide from Abraham that which I am doing? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, all the nations of the earth shall, random British accent there, shall be blessed in him. All right? For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice why so that the lord may bring to abraham what he has spoken to him so because abraham understood the visions of the lord because abraham wanted that city whose builder maker is god to actually touch the earth because abraham understood what god wanted for this reason Abraham taught his household. Abraham instructed his household. There was a doctrine, amen? Hallelujah, that was common with all members of Abraham's household, specifically his bloodline. I'm saying his bloodline because someone like Ishmael, I'm very sure did not continue with that. Someone like Esau, very much so did not continue in that bloodline. They received a portion of the blessing by virtue, right, of the genetic right? They had the genes, right? But righteousness in the heart, because they rejected it, they did not enter into the fullness of their inheritance. I hope what I'm saying is correct. Our goal is not just to celebrate that we are new creation, amen? 
there is an experience of these things. Now, to experience these things, amen, there needs to be what? Teaching. There needs to be what? Judgments of the heart. Specifically, there needs to be understanding of the scriptures. Understanding of the scriptures is a critical part of our heritage, beloved. It was something that our ancestors, they took very seriously. When they spoke in parables, they knew what they were talking about. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Beloved, we might use new words. Amen. Like you hear me say words like interfacing. Amen. You hear, you hear us talk about things like download. Amen. Constructs. <laughs> Amen. Um, someone even said encryption, encryption of the of um, the word and the lips, amen. These words that we're using is not us. You know, someone would say, why don't you use Bible words alone? We will use Bible words, amen, but we also use words in a modern day vernacular. The purpose is understanding. Paul said, I will speak words that would expose the spirit and expose the power of God. Our goal, amen, is to make sure that the words that reveal the spirit's work in you, that make manifest the spirits of God, are spoken in your hearing. The fruit of that, amen, hallelujah, is that we can enjoy, participate in our inheritance, experience this heritage. Because Jewish people are not just known, amen, by what they look like, but by what they walk like. Making man in his image and after his likeness. Please understand that the actual doctrine of Christ, amen, is by the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that teaches us, amen, the culture, amen, of the likeness of God. Our culture, the culture of this dynasty is taught by the Spirit, amen, but we must learn how to interact with the Spirit. Does that make sense? There are words that allow the Spirit to break out, and there are words that can frustrate Amen. This is what Paul spoke about when he said the weapons of our warfare, amen, are not carnal, but they are mighty to God for pulling down strongholds. Do you know right now, beloved, that we are unearthing those weapons that our ancestors, Paul, Jude, Peter, James, John, Jesus, what, what they had, the doctrine, that is what we are unearthing right now. We're not going to unearth them, unearth them, hallelujah and just clone them alone. No, 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 no. We want to make sure that we are connected. You know, this whole thing about heritage is not about um, imitation. It is about connection. So I'm not going to look up and discover our Judeo-Christian heritage. And the first that comes to my mind is, ah, let me go out and make myself a breastplate of righteousness. I'm not going to get a piece of metal. And you know, we did a, a film about that where Papa was arranging stones there. We will now go and get our own piece of cardboard because we can't afford gold. Not in this economy, right? Hallelujah. And then buy our little gemstone from our trinkle. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. No, no, no. Exactly. So I'm just laughing here at the comments. Amen. No, it's not about imitation. It's about connection. Amen. What we are after is connecting ourselves with our ancestry, our root system. Amen. Root system that is to draw nutrients. Amen. Now, there are ways for Prince Ibano, yeah, because we bought our, 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 our gemstones for Prince Ibano, amen. 
that we use on our little film. Amen. Our little props there. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't arrange a mannequin to look like a human being and then it's, it's now start acting like a human. No, you need the breath of life, right? Amen. We need to make sure that we are connected to our ancestors. You know the reason for all of these things? We're not the only ones on the journey, yo. Yeah, I mentioned before that Satan lied to Adam and Eve and told them that if you go on this other path, that this, this journey that you're on, <laughs> this is going to get you on the same journey. That is a lie of Satan. What Satan showed Adam and Eve was a detour. Amen? Notice how we just explained how the Garden of Eden. Amen? It's showing you the ways of God as in like paths to walk on. Amen? And then God said, don't follow this guy. This road doesn't take you to where we're going. Amen? Do you know that humanity right now is on a journey also? And they are believing Satan's lie. That's, ah, continue. Very soon, you also be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you know who the Antichrist is? <laughs> you know, we explain the Antichrist as the fulfillment of, of all of the wishes of Satan. We explain that all of Satan's, um, um, the dispensation of Satan, capturing all of these seven heads, right? The seven kingdoms of this world. They are what the Antichrist is. Hallelujah. But I also explain that it's not just Satan that has these things. Do you know, beloved, that the, 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 what we call, refer to as a man-child company, the end of the journey, amen, is actually the same thing, a culmination of all of the ages. Do you know that when the Bible, let's just read Hebrews, Hebrews chapter um, one, and then we can end with that. Hallelujah, because I do not feel like I've been teaching for a while at all, to be honest with you. I feel like, because <laughs> I'm just looking at the time, I'm like, wow, I feel like we just started. Amen. But I don't know if everyone feels the same way. <laughs> I don't want to keep y'all strong out here for too much longer. Amen. We all have lives. Amen. And things to do. God, who at various times and at various, and again, if you have questions, please drop them. If you're on Facebook, I'm not looking at Facebook right now. Um, so please jump, jump on with us on Zoom if you have questions. You can stay on Facebook if you're on Facebook. That's totally fine. Okay, God who at various times and various ways spoke in times past and followed by the prophets. So God in different, at different points in time, right? At, in different generations, amen? God spoke in specific ways, right? To our fathers, the prophets. In these last days, he is speaking to us by his son. Do you know that for Paul to point out that Christ is the son of God, he traces the fathers. So listening. Do you know that for, for Paul to show that Jesus Christ is the one that Moses spoke of, is the, he's the new Elijah, the new, Mo, the new Moses, amen? He, he is the new high priest. Paul goes through, Amen. How does he go? What does he go? He goes through the workings of God, amen, in the scriptures. How God spoke in times past. What am I saying here? The traditions of our ancestors are teaching our The Bible says that the law is a school teacher that leads us to Christ. Hallelujah. To trace where the spirit is going, amen, might be very difficult to do. But you can trace who the spirit is if you look at things that he's done. Does that make sense? It might be very difficult to project where the Spirit of God is going to, amen, explicitly, but you can trace who he is so that when he comes to you, you can recognize him. What sounds what I'm saying? How do we do? By the workings of God in times past. Because it is through the prophets, that's what I explained right when we read um, Romans chapter 16. 
Amen. The very last verse is. Hallelujah. Let's start from 25. So he was able to establish you by my gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting father for obedience to the faith. Okay, look here where he says here, okay? The preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret, okay? But is now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures. So when God spoke to the fathers by the prophets, they were actually talking about Jesus. This is why I said that the scripture, amen, is actually Genesis to Malachi. Because all they talk about Genesis to Malachi is Jesus. When you read Matthew to Revelation, what you're seeing is a fulfillment of what they spoke about. Hallelujah. It's like you're seeing the, the literal, right? Interpretation, right? Not interpretation. The literal <laughs> manifestation of what the prophets wrote about. I'm talking about as far back as a tabernacle. I'm talking about as far back as the feasts. I'm talking about as far back as even Genesis chapter one. Everything was talking about this man called Jesus. Hallelujah. By tracing what was said about him, amen, we can find him. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus Christ appeared. Let me let me let me phrase it like this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Amen. In various times and in various ways, was manifested in different ways to the fathers by the prophets. But in this last days, God wants to unleash everything. That is what you're seeing in Hebrews chapter one. He is called the heir of all things by whom he made the ages. So just as the Antichrist captured all of the dispensations of Satan, amen, all of the workings of Satan in getting man to embrace Satan's lifestyle, amen, <laughs> and become as God with good and evil, embrace his judgments, the fullness of the righteousness of God is what is now laid out for us. Where is laid out for us? In your spirit, man. Amen. It is all found where? In your spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. But to identify who your spirit man is. Have you ever heard people talk about things like, how can I hear, how can I know God's voice? How can I hear God's voice? Amen. They will tell you what practices. Be still, right? Stop distracting yourself with things of this world and fill up yourself with the word of God the chronicles of things that God has done in times past, the speakings of God, the utterances of God. This is what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were doing. Is everyone listening here? These were the traditions of our ancestors. They, they had the weapons of warfare, amen, for interactions with God. Who understands what I'm saying? This was, a, this was the tradition of our ancestors. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What's happening, you know, right now, this, this, this period of time, amen, 
is that as God is rolling out, amen, the fullness of who Jesus Christ is, he's not going to be rolled out in Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, the way we think about him now, but in us. So when I say in us, I don't just mean your spirit, man. I mean you are going to experience all of Jesus. I mean you're going to experience all of the judgments of God. You are going to experience the word of God. Hallelujah. This requires connection. This requires understanding. This requires an embracing. I said before, the Antichrist is not ashamed of his ancestry. Amen. The Antichrist took the mouth of the lion, took the paw of the bear, took the spots of the leopard. Amen. Took all the heads of Satan. Amen. Hallelujah. And he adorns, he adorns himself with them. The bride of Christ at the end of the ages must take on all of the tokens of who Jesus Christ is. Now, who Jesus Christ is, is actually scattered in the scriptures. Now, the Spirit is going to show us, amen. We can say the Spirit of God that revealed them to us. Please understand something. You activate the Spirit of God by God's word. Amen. That's what Paul said, right? The demonstration of the Spirit's power. Because we want to see, I might explain that the power of God at work in us is actually the ability for God to change what's in our hearts, right? What's written in our hearts and in our minds. Amen. The testimony that we carry. Amen. Is the power that can change that. Amen. To activate the power of God. We need the word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to make sure I've hit everything here. I don't even know if I have any time to, to, <laughs> to get into that. Amen. But I'll end, I guess I'll end up with this or I'll end with this. Hallelujah. Moses was a goodly child. Amen. You see that in Hebrews chapter 11. You can see that in the book of Exodus as well. When his parents hid him. And when they hid him, they need to smuggle someone to teach him the ways of the seekers of God. The ways of the people of God. The heritage of Israel. Do you know that even after that, Moses was driven to the wilderness. And there he met a priest that taught him. The name of that priest was Ruel, the friend of God. And he taught Moses. Taught, that's what Ruel means. His name is Jethro. Okay? Hallelujah. Taught Moses. Hallelujah. How to be God's friend. Now, by, by virtue of the teachings, amen? Show sure, had a big beer too, hallelujah. <laughs> the teachings of Ruel. The Bible says that God spoke with Moses as a man speaks to his friend, mouth to mouth. Hallelujah, amen. I hope all of this encourages us to embrace our Judeo-Christian heritage. When we bring up things like the tabernacle and the feast, we're not telling you to go and imitate these things. No, 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 no. These things are parables, amen? Parables need interpretation, amen? And the spirits of God wants to reveal all of these things. But when we read, please understand something, okay? There is a work of the spirits of God that is yet to be done in us. Hallelujah. If we have not been able to produce this fullness of Christ yet, it simply means there has not been a full communication of the message. That's the simplest thing to say. At this time of the end, God doesn't want anything held back. God wants to speak his son. Now, Jesus, you know, when you, um, you just got to ask the disciples, who do men say that I am? Some say you are Elijah. 
Some say you are Isaiah. Some say you are a prophet. Some say you are this, you are that. All of these things were right. Amen. My pastor, pastor, I don't even say that oftentimes. That they were right. He was Elisha. He was Elijah. Amen. The Spirit of Christ was in them. Hallelujah. First Peter says. The Spirit of Christ was in them. Hallelujah. But he is the fullness. Amen. No scriptures of any private interpretation. No, 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 no. This men were, holy men were moved by the spirits of God. And they, they penned down the workings of God in their lives. Amen. Their portion of the journey, amen, was laid out. If you can trace, someone is going from here. Listen, listen, listen. You can tell to some degree. You can't tell far out, but you can tell where they're going in this direction. Who knows what I'm saying? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And by, by, by what, what, God, what God is after is he wants to pull out, amen, everything, all the things I would, I would reveal that Matthew 13, 35 verse, amen. I will speak about the Bible. I would open up things hidden for generations, amen. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. God doesn't want us to be ignorant of our heritage, in fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul said that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we would know, we would know our ancestry. Amen. We will know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Hallelujah. I hope this encourages y'all and myself, amen, to embrace our Judeo-Christian heritage. Again, when we see all these things, the tabernacle, the feasts, the Hebrew language, amen, the Hebrew culture, amen. This is just the language, right? That was used to communicate this oral tradition to us. This is the oral tradition of our ancestors. We need to make sure we are not disconnecting ourselves from this, amen? There needs to be a valid deposit of these things in us. Again, we're not imitating, amen? When I say imitate, I'm talking about the lifeless imitation, right? What we are looking for is connection. And I'm saying this because you can have someone, amen, who is carrying the spirit of Elijah upon him, and you will not see any miracles. We know about this with John the Baptist, right? Papa mentioned this um, at one point in time. He mentioned how John the Baptist did no miracles, yet the spirit of Elijah was upon him. Explain that. Amen? So it's not about imitation. It's about connection. And sometimes connections would birth tangible, visible, right, um, um, illustrations. Um, hallelujah. For example, the same John the Baptist. Yes, you don't see miracles. Remember what happened at Mount Carmel when, when Elijah asked that they would, um, first of all, build the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, amen? And then he asked them to pour water on it, right? Let, we'll just read that. I'm so, I know I said before that this is going to be the last. Never trust uh, anyone um, claiming to, to, to teach God's word, let me tell you. I'm rounding up now, amen? Y'all forgive me, please. <laughs> First Kings 18. <laughs> Hallelujah. From verse 30. Thank you, Jesus. Elijah said to the people, come near. So people came near to him and he, he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Huh. And took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word Lord had said, Israel shall be your name. I love this. Then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bowl pieces laid on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. 
said, do it a second time. The second time said, do it a third time, the third time. And they did it a third time. So 12, right? Four pots of water poured three times is 12. So the water ran all around the altar and he filled the trench with water. It came to pass the time of the offering of the evil sacrifice. Elijah um, came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that um, you are God in Israel and I'm your servant. And I've done all these things according to your word. Hear me, O Lord. And these people would know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. The fire of the Lord fell down and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the trenches. Hallelujah. Do you know that this is what John the Baptist was doing when he was baptizing Israel with water? Amen. When he said something, that fire that's coming, it's not me that's bringing it. There is one mightier than I whose shoe straps, amen, whose sandals I cannot um, untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. Um, this is, um, we're, we're coming to, um, on this journey of the covenant of our, of the, of the new covenant that we've been on now, um, this um, saga of the ecosystem of the age to come is about to be usurped by something wonderful that's upcoming. Amen. Um, the Watchmen Prophetic Conference. Hallelujah. Um, please pray and fast towards this. Amen. Uh, we are trusting the Lord for another deposit to come our way. Amen. Please understand that um, these themes are not just um, arbitrary things. They're actually um, capturing the operations of God taking place even right now. Amen. I uh, just had a conversation. Me and my dad had a conversation earlier on with um, some wonderful ministers of the gospel. Amen. And um, they bore witness to so much of what's happening in our community. And we're deeply encouraged by that. Hallelujah. Um, Pastor Francis Seymour sends greetings. So does Pastor Junior Seabor and the rest of the Cape Dillon um, leadership. I uh, want to thank you all so much for joining us. I see so many people in the chat room. Amen. And the participants in the Zoom um, meeting. Thanks again so much for joining us. Um, this has been Word for Now. And I hope you've been richly blessed. Hallelujah. Jesus loves you, beloved. Um, <laughs> goodbye. Jesus dreams.